I I bought a replacement part, but I haven't installed it yet. And now I'm like, just like, maybe I just start from the ground up and reinstall the entire computer at the same time. Start I mean, from scratch, know exactly how everything's, you know, like make sure all the drivers aren't running on top of each other. It's all sorts yeah. of new stuff. I don't know. I don't know what to do other than, you know, like maybe that would help eliminate multiple problems at the same time or not. It is always the cleanest thing to do to just reinstall everything. It is not, however, the fastest or easiest, sadly. No, now especially not, because how do you reinstall Windows without it actually trying to save things and move them over? Uh, I'm pretty sure you can tell it, like, don't do that, and, and it will not. Yeah, I guess you could. But it would not be clean or quick. Correct. That part will be annoying, unfortunately. Alrighty, well, we'll get going then. Hello, it's We Hello. Were Gamers, episode three hundred and fifty-eight. Andy, Hello. I'm gonna keep jumping. Him. I'm gonna keep jumping your <laughs> intro. What? What? I, I don't know if you're trying to interrupt him or if you if you actually can't hear us. Oh, we Michael. That would be podcast at wewergamers.com. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the episode's nice. over. All right, bye it's everyone. Nice to see you guys. Oh boy. Uh, Michael, why why are Quicken Mac and Quicken Windows not the same? I mean, just come on. Oh, you are know they the answer not? to that. They're you know dumb. the answer to that. Yeah, I, I should. Be that's dumb. But that's dumb. Come on. I sh- I shouldn't be surprised either. But it's 2023. Come on. It's all web based app anyway. You know exactly why that is. Come on now. Yeah, sorry. I agree with you. It's dumb. It should be. But yeah. Yep. I didn't mean to derail you. I'm sorry. It was fun to try. I mean, why aren't all the the Linux app the same as the Mac's app? That's what I want to know. Mac is Mac is basically Linux. Like, why can't? Is it still? It used to be the statement that it was like, this is a Linux wrapper, right? Like back in, in 2004 or whatever. I mean, when was the last time they released a OS on the PC? Whom? The, the people that make the Macs. They release them constantly. I think I just installed a new one like three months ago. But is it like a full version number or is it just like, you know, security and changes and stuff? No, I guess I have they, no clue, actually. So, like, yeah, I could just be wrong. Yeah, they update OSX, OSX a lot because it is it's some version of it. Some something somewhere they're doing something where they have a machine. I don't know how this works, but they've got a machine that's spitting out operating systems for phones and iPads and computers, and they're all somehow related to each other because the <laughs> they're all getting worse together. Mm-hmm. Well, you could argue that that's just everything. Someone was all talking about that. It was it's it's one of those crank uh, people in the video game industry that people like to make fun of a lot. Uh, was it Jonathan Blow? It's one of those guys. Uh, uh, there is a theory. I don't know theory. It is it is a little crackpot, but also it is kind of true. Uh, in web design and development of like internet website stuff, called uh, a pardon the phrase, but that, this is the actual term. I didn't make this up. Called inshitification. 
Okay. How do and I not make this the podcast title? <laughs> this is real. I didn't make this up. This is real. It, it, the term is that like services start the way they are and they're good and they're really user friendly and they they ev- they evolve and as they evolve they evolve towards they just become in shitified as they get bought up and bundled together and made bigger and more corporatized and then they just get worse so like the user experiences start really good and then they get better for a while and then they go down this trend of inshitification and they just become horrible hellscapes which I is the, where a whole bunch the, of things on the internet have gotten to the recently. nicer way to say this is that things that are designed well start with a design philosophy and then much in the same guise as we were gamers right <laughs> you've now lived too long <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the iPhone itself has has lived too long, and now it it must be everything to everyone because the complaints are the only thing that keep people coming back to to them. Oh, they fixed my complaint, right? Versus when the thing came out, they were like, "This is the way that it works. There will be no substitutions." It was like the five star menu, right? Like you know, you may not have a side salad instead. So uh, I mean, the, the actual like the argument in this you know, as part of this thing is that it is made actively worse because the user experience is what brings all the people in. And once the people are there, you've got to make you got money mm-hmm. and you got to make it worse for them because it was good when there was no money being made. Right but now sure. it has to be made actively worse in order to make money. And okay. so that is the trend, right? This is not uh, directly the theory. The other theory that I was reading about from, I think it was, was him. Um, Jonathan Plum, but I I don't want to attribute it to him necessarily. I, I don't want to keep saying his name. He writes uh, a lot of things, so it he could does, be well. and that's why I think that it's him. Uh, and that is that processing power has now allowed everything to be duct taped together, and things are just coded terribly. Oh, that's so true. That's a thousand percent true. I wherein wherein you had to tell processors can just chug through the bad code fast enough that you don't notice. Yeah, kind Pretty of. Much. Um, but also, like, what what someone could make something do in three kilobytes before it takes a megabyte, right? It's because no one codes every single step all the way from the processor. Right. All the way up to the code that's running on your screen, they use libraries. And the library has 10 million functions that they don't actually care about, but they need two of them. And so you include a 10 megabyte library. Right. You just and dump the library onto there. And so exactly. they yeah. – well, and, and well, this guy's code worked for this, right? Someone made the jump code that I'm going to use. So I'm just going to copy-paste their jump code. And I'm going to copy paste somebody else's shoot code. I'm going to copy paste somebody else's this code. And now they're all sitting on top of each other, but they have a conflict. So now I need to add three more lines of code to fix the conflict instead of going back to the other codes. Yeah, Um, because you've included these libraries, you don't want to touch the library. So you can only make the changes intermediately, which then causes more things to be pasted together, right? It's a... It's very yeah. much the similar theory, but in specifically talking about software. Yeah. So the software theory is like, the, the, like especially for uh, the Apple, it seems like to me, they took a, a decent operating system and now they're just like, br- 
bricking on top of it. Like there's a really good I mean, foundation there and they just keep laying new bricks on top of it without thinking about what's underneath anymore. Oh yeah. It's a hundred percent this, right? It's not just, it sort of applies to everything on the internet and everything on computers, right? Like it's the, the house can only hold so many things, but they keep building stories up, right? A good, a good example of this would be in a bathroom that we have where, uh, there was fine sheetrock, which someone then painted on, which someone then put wallpaper on, which someone then painted on, which someone then uh, used wallpaper on. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's not like, oh, we'll just take exactly the one. We'll just take the piece of wallpaper off. Oh, God, there's 700 layers behind here. <laughs> yep. This was off topic. Sorry. Uh, I mean, was it off topic, though? Speaking of things exploding, Andrew. Do any of you have Asus AM5 motherboards? Is that what you're asking me about? I mean, I think that's what we are what we're talking about here. Okay. Well, I know none of us have AM5 computers being the newest uh what is it? 7 7 series uh Ryzen I think chips. Yes. Those are socketed into AM5 sockets. Uh, have you, either of you? I mean, JJ, maybe you've had a little bit of it, but I, I've, uh, I've Michael, seen some of this you heard stuff, about this? this news, but I'm curious what the the full details are. No, okay. so I'm I'm in the dark here. You're in the dark. Okay, so I will walk from the beginning. Uh, some stuff started appearing on Reddit and YouTube of people being like, "Hey, this is weird. My 7800 X3D, which is brand new." blew up so oh weird uh minded too and you know you know the snowballs that start when people start posting things on the internet um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and gamers nexus has to get the immediate shout out here because they seem to be turning into quite the little uh, investigative outlet and they caught wind of it and they were like hey everybody please post the boards you're talking about and the list started to come up, and it was like Asus, 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 Gigabyte, Asus, Asus, Asus. So they bought some of these things, these burnt-out boards and chips, and they were like, well, this certainly seems to be like a, a voltage problem, so let's test it. So they bought a bunch of boards. Um, the upper VSOC, JJ... Uh, then we mm-hmm. should call this a component class, I guess, huh? Because we're going to talk I mean, about motherboards component, here. Component yeah. adjacent. Component yeah. adjacent, for sure. So yeah. motherboards have uh, a lot of settings in them. Um, a lot of this stuff, when we were gamers, you had to do by hand. Um, and there were huge warnings, and you would void your warranty for doing stuff like this, like setting voltages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, setting voltages, uh, among other things... And this is pertinent to the story. Among other things, including increasing performance, et cetera, setting, setting voltages allows you to accommodate for faster memory timings, um, which we'll come back into in a second. Yeah. So, I mean, to be clear, this is like super duper common. Would you buy RAM? You know, like it's very commonly expected that you will have to modify the stock timings to use the fast, expensive, cool RAM you just bought? Sure. Um, I mean, we talked, we did a component class on motherboards. Go back and find it. We talked about setting um, your timings in the BIOS. So you go, go into the motherboard operating system 
built-in operating system bios and um you set your timings for your memories so one thing though that that we used to do that they also now do in bios is, is set voltages for the actual chip not the not the um the memory chips the actual cpu um and this also helps to accommodate wider ranges of memory so when we were talking about why we didn't hold out and go for this newer generation the intel and amd uh, uh ddr5 generation what was the big holdback for us michael do you remember um oh i remember that there was one and it was it had to do with not being able to realize the full capability of what was it? It was RAM related. Was it the RAM, the like the yeah. difference between the RAM and the CPU speeds? You were going to be throttling one of them. Yeah. So the RAMs were very slow initially and expensive. Yeah. The, the expensive part was the part I remembered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So much like, um, cars and video cards and everything else now that is trying to get more performance what do they do shove more power through it yeah man uh so amd said okay uh we know that the ram timings are slow we've made the chips uh stable at higher voltages for the temperatures you can put 1.3 volts through this thing it's pretty high uh, that's pretty high. I think most of them stock. I think all of ours are probably running at like 1.02, you know, they're to be clear, right? This is DDR five though. So I don't know that those numbers well, are directly, uh, we're still terrible. talking about just the CPU though, JJ. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. We're still talking about CPU. Then yes, yeah. those numbers. Yeah. 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 Uh, most, most Rams take a stock 1.33 volts. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, too high for a cpu too hot yes okay so still talking about the cpu uh amd says that's allowed uh but it's not allowed stock it's allowed in overclocking again we used to do this back in the day by hand and you could blow things up well now the fancy asus motherboards the fancy gigabyte motherboards all the fancy overclocking motherboards you just click expo or whatever it's called on intel these days and it just shoves the voltage up to one of the predetermined functional levels, which will then allow more RAM timings. This is the big thing, right? So I think the Intel one is called XMP. XMP. Yes. Yeah. Correct. But yeah, it's just like Andrew is exactly right, right? You just you go to a drop down menu somewhere and you click Expo or whatever or yep. XMP or whatever, and it just works. You don't have to configure anything by hand anymore if you don't no. want to. So, uh, to be clear, this is for two, I would need to be clear about two things before we get into this story. One, this is built into your fancy motherboard for overclocking. Two, this is so they can accommodate what it says on the back of the box as compatible Ram timings and speeds, right? Speeds, especially like those numbers on the back of that box are straight up lies. If you can't use this stuff, right? Yep. So Asus, it turns out, after a lot of research from the GN people, uh, lots of credit to them, there's about 
uh three 40 minute videos of the back and forth in this uh before the 40 minute video that came out today so i'm gonna condense it into probably like five more minutes maybe but you if you're interested in this story you should go check it out because it is a great component class situation um they they take apart these aces motherboards and they get it to blow up a cpu and they get it to blow up a cpu by not doing much of anything other than like running it on high at its highest end stock performances so then they soldered a bunch of leads on these things they put it on expo or xmp2 to run it as high as it can go in the stock settings and then they stress test it and they blow it up again and again these things are running one point at sometimes spiking to 1.4 volts through the cpu which for those of you paying attention, he said how much earlier? One point <laughs> one point three max. Three at a very high end, right? You're talking <laughs> a tenth of a mil a tenth of a volt higher than that? Uh-huh. Yikes. Yeah. Tenth of a volt doesn't sound like a whole lot for sticking your finger in a socket, but um remember the or components. Very sensitive electronics. Yeah. Right. These are <laughs> things with traces that measure in the nanometers. A hundred yeah. millivolts is think, huge. Think think about um a double A battery with point one volts goes from fully functional to dead, right? Like it point one volts matters in these types yeah, of things. A double A battery does one point five volts, right? No, Am I know I right? that, but it, but when no, no, you I just go, mean that like yeah. the total voltage there <laughs> that you get out of the yeah. double A <laughs> yeah. is like 0.1 amps at 1.5 volts. All right. Yes. Eh, it's more amps than that. Anyway, whatever. It's a little bit. It's a bit tiny but like, bit more amps than that. Yeah. That's not much power in the grand scheme of things. No. Ah, uh, except that your CPU <laughs> uses 240 watts. So where is that coming from? You know? <laughs> like, that number is yep. is got to be somewhere, and it's going to exactly. do some bad stuff to you if you go over that number. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so immediately the alarm bells go off. Um, they're like, well, what's the deal here? Why are these blowing up? And that's the real question and where it gets into like, something's very wrong here. They shouldn't be blowing up because they they took these apart and they're like, there's, there's like lines inside them. There's scorch marks. There's all sorts of stuff. And it's like, what, what where's the protections? Folks should go watch that video, by the way. It's they, fantastic. They, yeah. they literally show you the inside of the exploded CPU. They sent it to like a cool lab. It's like a sweet video if you want to see stuff that blows up. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, long story short, Asus, uh, Gigabyte and others have their problems. They, they tested all the other boards, and they actually found bugs in all the BIOSes. But Asus basically was running things with no with all safeties off no thermal throttling no thermal limiter shutdowns way past the voltage limits everything to try and get the back of the box performance without doing the work to do it right just shove more volts through it until it works was the answer and then like don't check that any of the other pieces are still within tolerance while doing it right yeah. it's like they allow, oh, it's allowed, this number is allowed to go up to this number. Okay, so they adjust it, and then they don't adjust anything else, even though there's knock-on effects from doing all of these things, right? Tons of knock-on effects. So so something, so they immediately say they're not at fault, but within days there's a, a patch, right? And the patch 
supposedly is a safety related thing to make sure they're not at fault. Well, they test it again and they sure enough moved the voltages down in the expo menus, but their parts are not synced correctly. Like JJ's saying. So even though they've moved them down, they're still out of spec, still above spec. And AMD's running around with their hair on fire being like, we keep telling people these are the voltages to run out, but here's our communicate. And this is where it all un- unravels and spirals out of control. Here's our communications with all of our people. Here's especially a few that say they're going to do whatever they want to do because that's the deal. And they're allowed to run their parts their way and they're ignoring our advice. So immediately AMD's throwing people under the bus. Well, now everybody's pointing fingers at Asus and Asus's PR team is out on the internet uh, trying to put out all the fires, but they're not putting them out in the right ways. They're putting them out by saying, ah, we make good products and we, and the people that are reviewing them as good are paid to review them as good. Uh, we think that's let's all condemn the journalists. That's really the problem here. Definitely the journalists. So maybe the journalists should have tried harder or blah, blah, blah. So they're like, then they're sending uh, letters to other, this, this part, I'm not, I'm just going to gloss over it because I don't want to get into the drama of then outlets are fighting each other and they're all trying to like point fingers at GN. Um, then GN points fingers saying things about warranties. Uh, (laughs) at one point, Asus now it's very clear they're at fault and so they put out a beta patch that they just decided to call a beta so that they could put in there that if you install the beta it voids your warranty because you're using Expo and XMP. Wow. And you're what? like what? And then they the craziest thing I have heard a company do. Uh, please, please install this beta. It fixes stuff. Also, you accept all liability. We will sue you forever. Ha ha ha. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it gets it, it spirals out of control in terms of the PR stuff. I guess this week they did a full 180 and they're like, no, no, no. If it's uh, installed on the board, it's of course covered under our warranty. That was just boilerplate. And it's like, no other no other whoa my guys no no, nothing nothing else you have sold has this no other bios release ever has said that it voids your warranty so that's interesting Uh, sure uh, we're sorry you we're sorry you noticed this problem kind of Uh, answer uh, yeah it got really out of control really fast uh when all they had to do is be like yep we were at fault sorry and fix it yeah, you know. like it, it just just be like, oh, dang, sorry, y'all. We're working on a fix. There you go. Problem solved. In the meantime, use this other setting that is safe. Yep. Is that hard? Nope. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, it, it got Good. a little crazy. So, um, yeah, I guess it's safe to use again. They supposedly have now fixed the problem with a regular release. Uh but th- what I wanted to mention about it was like the component class aspect of it is this stuff is, is supposedly supposed to be safer, right? Like the the craziest part about all this was it really is a bummer for people like us to be like, you know, we're enthusiasts. We don't have time to be sitting around figuring out voltages anymore. We're glad that there are other enthusiasts now working at these companies that are setting these things up in advance 
And like that could have been us, right? Like I went in and and hit all the overclock buttons in this new computer because they're there and I bought the parts for them to be there and to run well. And, and like that could have just ended us podcasting for weeks while I waited for new parts from an RMA, right? Like, or like now you have to distrust everything that they claim because they say they set the voltage, but now are they right? Yeah, and to claim that XMP and Expo are overclocking these days when they're clearly just part of the system, right? Like, I mean, yeah, if you know, you want to the technical definition of the term, it is overclocking the standard settings. But if you want to revert everyone back to the standard settings, I think everyone's computer is going to have a bad day and no one will be happy about it, including you, the person probably writing the email to me telling me to do this. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these things, especially the new with the new RAM, they're made to run faster. So that was the nuts story about Asus in the last. I mean, this has been going on almost a month. Almost a month for them to fix it and be like, yo, we're sorry. Crazy wild, man, which was the appropriate response in the first place. It was the easiest response to have just done that in the first place. Right. They could have just been like, whoopsie uh our bad our bad hey turn everything back down to stock for two weeks while we get the fix in place yeah literally no one would complain right i mean people would complain but at least you'd you'd slow but no one is going to be mad about it right sure oh yeah okay like we got you guys no problem like it turns into a good story for you instead of a bad story i mean if you really get into this story the finger pointing between outlets i mean like outlets were dropping aces as sponsors other outlets were saying like of course we're not going to drop them as a sponsor they they've been very good to us and then people being like look on all your videos they commented how great your reviews are and uh man there was a lot of journalistic uh let's just (laughs) there's been an interesting uh conflagration of who's a journalist and who's not in the tech space recently with, you know, the major players kind of all headed down downhill. I think PC gamer and Tom's hardware being like the big standup still, you know, at this point there are barely journalists on the internet period anywhere. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of, I mean, in, in one of the videos about this, there's a lot of the people just reading verbatim, uh press releases as as literal information you know oh yeah that is rampant and not just on everywhere like yes that is on newspapers that is magazines that is everything okay old man who reads newspapers and magazines sorry geez (laughs) uh speaking of things the front page of a newspaper emailed to me every day just so you know Okay. Yeah. At least you're reading. We, at least you're reading it through email instead we, of a physical copy. We were gamers. <laughs> you get old enough uh, to speak, need to support the news. Speaking of things for old people, um, coming through this really quick. Uh, hey, uh, Andrew and Michael, do you guys uh, care or are you interested at all that Magic: The Gathering Arena is coming to Steam? Uh, By what's the time the you hear this podcast? Being on Epic and coming to Steam. What's the difference? I don't know. You'll see when I'm playing Magic on Steam now. <laughs> I okay. guess that matters. I mean, 
don't know. Is it the same account? Is it is it cross? Yes. You're yeah. still using your Wizards account, so it's all. Can I use it with a Steam Deck? I don't know if it's it a Steam Deck. I don't know. I didn't like it on mobile. I gotta say. Yeah, and the phone version isn't awesome. I will agree with you there. I just it didn't strike me as something that I would enjoy playing hours of. Maybe on a Steam Deck it would. I don't know. COTC yeah, just, takes uh, up a lot of my my card game time now. I feel like it has replaced those style like the the Hearthstone minute that we used to have on here is is definitely the COTC minute for me. Yeah, I think I, I think I feel that. Yeah. That's I good. I'm happy for you. I mean, were doing it random that anything, they do it now, but okay. Well, their their sure, agreement yeah. with Epic probably ended, right? They've it's been on Epic for like three years, man. They, they have a three year agreement. Wow. I don't know. Whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, if it's anything like the EA problems, uh, the Steam version will run better. They ha- they have that problem with Apex. Uh, the Steam version for some reason just launches more stably. Huh. I've been using the standalone, non-Epic, non-Steam version for a long time, and it doesn't run awesome, so I would be curious if the Steam version does. Report back. Let us know. Because I use the standalone version as well. When I use it every three months. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, do you use it? It is interesting some of the changes they've made, though. Like You don't have to enter codes and stuff anymore. They just mail them to you. Oh, cool. Somehow some of that works. Yeah. Um, all right, eh, more more quick stuff. Um, I, I I think Michael, you also backed this uh, Brandon Sanderson Kickstarter. Now, I did. Um, yes, whenever that was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, uh, I finally finished the first year. first of those books. Is are there cool. more out yeah, than I'm, one? The second uh, one came out, out very recently. Yeah, so you could uh, you got uh, like with all Kickstarters, there are all kinds of tiers involved. Um, but I, you could either choose some combination of digital or hardcover copies of um, these surprise books that he dropped. I implore you both to listen to that podcast about the HasLab and my enduring opinions about Kickstarter and how it's failing companies that are trying to actually oh, yeah, make I, it. I, I did listen. I just listened to that over the weekend. <laughs> Stretch goals. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Uh, However, this was the most funded Kickstarter of all time, so I think Brandon Sanderson is okay. So maybe he could have done it without Kickstarter. Very likely. Probably. Very likely. I think that's the key right there, right? Like all these people that go to Kickstarter and make it seem like Kickstarter made them successful. It's like, uh, I think Bloodstained would have been funded with with or without it. Sure. I think think big names use kickstarter just because the infrastructure is built in sure yeah but you're very likely correct that someone as big as brandon sanderson could have just been like hey y'all give us money and then it would have correctly worked out in the way that he (laughs) it still would have flown in yeah i'm i know that he's not a jk rowling level and i don't just i'm just coming up with like a level of of income slash richness i know he's not that guy but like he could probably self-fund a book at this point, right? Uh, does he have a public? I mean, he does have a publisher, I guess. So, but yeah, it, the dude 
has published so many books. There's no way he doesn't just have like a lot of money laying around. Yeah. And he's in talks to sell the rights to some of his properties to for movie for TV. So yeah, that still writes he's like doing four okay. books a year. Like the dude is a machine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hey, anyway, what about this book? That, that book? that book is pretty good. Uh, is it? A, it's not a spoiler to say the title, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. The book is just out. People can just buy it. OK. Yes. Uh, Tress of the Emerald Sea is the name of the book. Uh, it's great. I really is enjoyed it. Related it. to uh, other books of his, or no? Uh, it is in the Cosmere. If that was your question, yes, that's my question. Yes, it, and it, it is, is. It is very vaguely related um, to. Uh, I would I would say that it is very vaguely related to the most recent book that he put out, not as part of the Kickstarter. Only in the sense that it explains it explains where one of the characters comes from in that book. Oh. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, there is a, I mean, there are connections to other Cosmere novels. If you have read them, you'll know some stuff or you'll understand and some things. The narrator is the big one. Yes, the narrator is the big one. Uh, it, there's, it's not going to tell you anything about this particular story, just like all his Cosmere stuff where like things are sort of lightly connected, but like not, it doesn't help you the story you're reading, but it's like, oh, I know what this is. Like, that's kind of how it goes. It was a great story, though. I really enjoyed it. Um, folks should check that out if you like his stuff. Yo, this is one of those, and it is fun. It's a good standalone too. If you've never, like, if you've never tried some of his stuff and you want something that's uh, that's a little more fun than some of his some of his more serious sagas, this yeah. is a good one. A lot of his stuff has like many parts and is long fantasy epic type stuff. This is pretty brisk, short standalone. So I yeah, recommended it from that direction for sure. Uh, since we're on books, can I? Uh, yeah. I don't think I'm going to leave this for a Star Trek podcast. So I just want to say it out loud. I lost and refound a book that I had started last year. Uh, I took it on a trip okay. and I forgot it in a bag and we had talked about me reading it and then I never finished it. Uh, I finished that book die standing by, um, is it John, John Jackson Miller, John Miller Jackson. He's a con comic book. John Jackson Miller. John Jackson got, Miller. Yeah. yeah. John Jackson Miller. He's a, he's a prolific fantasy and sci-fi dude. He wrote, um, uh star wars uh jedi knight the old one uh knights of the old republic knights of the old republic that's the one um he wrote a bunch of trilogies for the star trek universe anyway this one is about Giorgio jj oh cool okay and my review of it is exactly the same as that picard book that i talked about before why isn't mm. this part of the show the story is better than the, <laughs> than no, the because, because we even discussed like off screen at some point, Giorgio. Oh God. Spoilers, I guess. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, Giorgio emperor, Imperatus Tyrannicus, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. seems to have undergone some sort of life changing thing where she decided to be good ish enough to stay in the, prime universe you know what i mean right yeah uh this book is about why 
That so seems she, like stuff that could have been better. Yeah, she. It's about how she got start started with Section Thirty One. Like they have a whole book about like this is how she starts with Section Thirty One and why she actually works for them without trying to like use them to take over the galaxy. You know. Uh, so. Uh, my review of it is that John Jackson Miller is an author that I like, and the book is good. And Emperor Giorgio is always fun to read about. So I like this. Yeah, if you go find that, there's like a zillion Discovery novels. I can't vouch for many of them, but uh, his his one that I've read so far has been good. Uh, he has another one that I'm going to read next about the Enterprise. We shall see. And there's nice. an appearance by Kirk. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. Good. Wait. Is Rojo in the future or the I forget the timelines of Enterprise. Uh I'm at the time sure. that this book takes Discovery. place. Sorry. The, so in the Discovery timeline, at the time this book takes place, it's in pre uh OG series because she has just joined section thirty one. There hasn't been the time jump yet. Got it. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. Okay. That's that's my short review. Got it. Uh, good, 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 good. Uh, she is always good for a uh, a laugh. Uh, She's good all- for a hearty, deep, quiet chuckle while you're reading in bed. Yes, very, uh, very good character. Hey, um, speaking of characters, I know this is a bad segue, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> uh, I played. I meant to talk about this a couple weeks ago when I actually did play it, but I forgot to bring it up. Uh, I played the Diablo 4 open beta that happened a couple weeks ago. There are characters in there. There are characters in there. Uh, uh, it's the first the first 25 levels. The uh, I only played one class, so I can't talk about any of the others. I played the Sorcerer Mage thing. Okay. Spellcaster. Yeah, ask me anything you guys want to know about Diablo 4. I can it, answer from the first 24 levels. Is it Five, prettier, 25 levels. Is it prettier Diablo 3 without an auction house? There's definitely no auction house. I can agree with I can tell you that. Uh is it prettier? I think it's prettier. Yeah. It is plays it less 3? like Diablo 3 than What is different then between that and Diablo 3 in your now, don't give me a technical readout. But like in your okay. feeling of like so, when I played Diablo I, 3, it was like XYZ thing. I've played Diablo 2 recently again, and this feels like halfway between the Diablo 2 and Diablo 3. That's how I'll I'll say. There's still a skill tree like Diablo 2 where you gotta put points into stuff, but then you gotta have multiple points and stuff sometimes. And that just gives it like a more I don't know, like locked feeling for what your character build is. Um but like, you know, it's only the first 20 whatever levels. So I'm just like running around picking up like blues and greens and just like equipping whatever thing I can because that's all you get in the first 20 whatever levels, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So especially in the uh, no one knows where the good items are. You're not going to farm them at level 20. You know, like in D3, it was yeah. like, oh, I can just get a purple here that'll last me 10, 15 levels. Yeah, and you know, you would finish a big story quest and you would get like a yellow and you're like, oh, sweet, this yellow is definitely better than whatever random garbage I'm wearing for this slot. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did hit the level cap in that thing. It was only, it was pretty low. It was only like level 20 or whatever. Um, and I did see more legendaries start dropping when I got to that level. 
I just wonder if it was kind of like they're like, all right, man, you got the, the cap. Here's like cool loot. Enjoy. Uh, hilariously, I got some loot that was too high level for me to equip. <laughs> it's like you can't equip this like you need level 22 or whatever. I'm like, you can't go above 20. What is this garbage? <laughs> I think I understand that, actually. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah, dude, like, you know, you know, they know. You know, yeah. you know. Uh, that was fun. I did the world boss who fought that thing. Um, How did that go? Uh, it's interesting. It, it's like a, it seems like it's instanced in some way when you go in there. Uh, it's, it has to be, otherwise it would never be there. Right. They take a group of like 20 people or so it seems. And you fight together with that group, almost like raid style, um, against this big world boss. Hey Andy, do you remember that demo we did of Diablo four? Yeah. When I could never find that? the world boss. <laughs> Do, oh, did you never find the world boss? No, in that because thing? it was it, the instance was our raid, and so I missed it. It was dead by the time I got there. Oh, the, the, like big f off, like uh -huh. dragony thing. With yeah, weird it was, de it was literally the dead place. on the ground by the time I got there. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I did. I did remember seeing it then. Uh, and yeah, that is the same thing. This is that thing. So they five years ago when we played a demo. Uh huh. Same this thing. Is the yep. Same demo. Uh, it does not act the same way, and it is not the same demo. Absolutely, I wonder if they. Yeah, they probably changed it up. So uh, the it doesn't take place in the same area, uh, from what I could tell. Um, this definitely felt more like a finished product. There was a lot of story in this. Like you have the entire first act, it seems. So there's a bunch of cutscenes I'd never seen before. There's a bunch of quests. Okay. Uh, there's multiple different city hubs that you go to that have people in there that give you stuff to do in an uh, area around where the city is. Sure. On uh, you know main quests, you follow around, you meet multiple characters, doing Diablo stuff, mostly involving killing a bunch of guys, and then finding artifacts, and then doing Diablo stuff with them. Hmm. Um, it's cool. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm. Uh, they called it a server slam to see how like popular and like you know how they could stress the servers, but they like released it on the same day as Tears of the Kingdom, so. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how much slamming they got done on that server i i'll tell you when i logged in there were no wait times i certainly played the heck out of diablo 3 and i couldn't find the time to get on there during then yeah so you know i i have a feeling i'll end up playing some diablo 4 um who knows if we'll end up sticking with it like we did three or not um, okay this is, i suspect i'll play it a bit Story seems good. Nice. I mean, it's um, going to be related, I think. I'm pretty sure, based on the artwork, that it's related and continuation of the previous story. The oh. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Let's say based on the artwork, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, there's... They have... Uh, if people want to see some, like, fun video Diablo content, uh, Blizzard has put out a couple of, like, lore primer videos. Oh, uh, that kind of like giving you the story on the lead up of like uh, the world, the building of the world of Sanctuary. And then now the second one on I forget what the anyway, there's two of them. And I think there's going to be another one uh, coming up to release here. But they're like, you know, pretty art assets, but like telling you the story of the creation of the world and the creation of this particular earth. And then I don't know what the next one will be, but narrated by the guy who has just 
Moi, one of those amazing narrator voices who is yeah. uh, the voiceover for large portions of the text in this game. Um, I gotta, I need to find that guy's name. He's a guy you've heard of him. He has one of those like really deep, sonorous voices that just sound amazing. Oh, um, so if people want to listen to some guy talk about Diablo stuff, it's great. Is it, um, is it, uh, oh god, uh, uh, Chronicles of Riddick? That's not the best movie to remember him from, but <laughs> <laughs> but Keith David. No, it, it's not uh, Keith David. Oh, no, no, it's not. Oh. Um, when on, somebody says sonorous that. voice, that's who me I immediately think of. He does have one of those voices, <laughs> though. You're a hundred percent correct. Ralph Ineson. Hmm. I N E S O N. He's a vo- he's the voice actor for Lorath in this game and narrates large portions of it. Oh, this guy uh, is a guy you've heard. This guy, hundred yeah, percent. Uh huh. He's much more British in in the uh, the voice category. You know, we were watching. Yeah. Did I mention this? Uh, did I mention this uh, to you guys? We were watching Ted Lasso. Oh, he was talk- he was in the Green Knight. That's why I know this guy. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Should I watch that? He was the Green Knight is great, Andrew. He was yeah. in. Uh, he was in uh, uh, Game of Thrones. This guy. Oh, he was. Yeah. Anyway, um, we were watching Ted Lasso the other day, yeah. and uh, you know Vincent Price is like the original uh, Disneyland voice, but then then came uh, Paul Frees. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but he's the the man of a thousand voices. And uh, Walt Disney, like, loved the guy. And so he basically recorded and is the voice of anything and everything at Disneyland. Uh, hmm. yep. You know, the guys, JJ, there's always my way out, that guy. Oh, yeah, okay, the That's, guy from the, uh, the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. He's everywhere. Like, he just does a different uh, iteration of his voice in all of Disneyland. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Paul Frees is the guy. And so when you're talking about like voice actors, I was just on this kick. We were watching. Um, um, what did I say we were watching? <laughs> we were watching Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. And um, there was a voice in Ted Lasso. And I was like, oh, my God. That's 100 um, percent. Paul Freeze, and that's like there's no way it's Paul Freeze because the man died in like 1980 or something. There's a section of one of the episodes where there's a, a literal breakdown that one of the guys has, and he starts imagining things in his head exactly like the animation style, like the magic Magic Land, whatever the whatever the heck that that thing is Donald in math magic land yeah yes remember when he gets like stuck in a triangle or whatever yeah uh-huh. okay. okay yeah so that starts happening to ted lasso <laughs> ted lasso and i kid you not i had like a heart palpitation listening to it because it was paul freeze narrating it there's a new guy named Corey burton that does those voices he just sounds like the guy he, I guess, fell in love with Haunted Mansion and started doing voices. 
You should look up this dude's resume. Corey with an E. Corey Burton. B-U-R-T-O-N. He does the voices of Cad Bane and Count Dooku in Star Wars. He does the voices in Kingdom Hearts for half the characters. He's done JLA. He's done a whole bunch of re-recordings for Disneyland. He's done... He's like Disney's new go-to Paul Freese. You're saying the man gets a lot of work. Holy cow. Oh, okay. my God. The number of credits he has. I see. Thank like, you for looking. I'm goes, goes, it goes on so forever. I, 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 you should watch that little clip because the nostalgia I had listening to it was, was palpable to my body. It really sent me through like a very 1980 nostalgia moment. Anyway, okay. sorry to derail this with uh, no, yeah. uh, voice acting situations. I don't even know what we were talking about. Anyway. Uh, uh, Diablo yeah, 4 and cool. voice acting videos. I don't uh, know. Any, anyone else have any questions about that game? I don't know. I don't know what there is to say about it. It's coming out pretty soon at this you point. You don't so sound as excited as I was hoping is what I'm, I'm going to say. Yo, it's Diablo. It's still the game. So... You don't see us playing it over and over and over and doing terror. What was that? The, the... So they've changed the way that system works a little bit. That's not how that works anymore. But, I mean, there's an equivalent, right? There's like a world level or something, and you can just turn it up. Sure. Um, Instead you know, of doing it, those little instances it, it all the time. Feels, it definitely feels like they took the criticisms to heart that people had about Diablo 3 not being like Diablo 2. Okay. And they made this game more like Diablo 2. That's okay. the feeling that I got. All right. So Diablo's pretty fun. I mean, I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. Be happy. Sure. But it's definitely not Diablo 2, though, either. Right? There's definitely still a lot of non-new... And there's all new stuff here, right? So it's hard to hard to compare there. Um, and I only did play the first 20 levels, so, I mean, you know, who knows? Stuff all right. could all change and get higher higher up on the skill tree, and then all of a sudden you unlock, you know, screen clearing blizzards or whatever, and then all of a sudden it turns back into Diablo three. <laughs> <laughs> that did, was definitely part of Diablo three for sure. It's like obliterate everything you see. You can't see anything. Right. Doesn't matter. It's all dead. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, closing in on the end here, uh, Michael. I know. You and I have both uh, had some barbecue recently. Yeah, yeah we end with food today. BBQ. Yeah, we're it. ending with food. Woo! So I know um, I recently spent some time at uh, Heritage's Heritage Barbecue's Oceanside Pub location. Yeah, huh. and we just visited their uh, their first location in San Juan Capistrano over the weekend for the first time. How is that your first time? And we live far from we, there, kind of. Uh, we're not that far. Not from... It's 20, what? 25 minutes. What is there to do in San Juan Capistrano? I mean, walk not past the mission to, to Heritage Barbecue. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> walk down that street and be like, this area is nice. Then get mm -hmm. back in your car. <laughs> uh, so, how did you guys... Ha what did you have? What did you like? How'd it go? 
So we got there a bit later in the day, um, especially for for them, because they're they're only open like 11 to 6 at that location. And often sold out um, of but things. But they still they still they were sold out of several things, but they still had they had uh, brisket. They still had pulled pork. They had unfortunately just sold out of the ribs for the day, the spare ribs that they had. Um, and then they still had the sausage of the day, which on that particular day was pot sticker. Oh, what? Yeah. That's interesting. It was good. Explain. I mean, the the filling of the sausage was the in, like full of a lot of the things that you would find inside pot stickers. Okay. It was like pork sausage, but it had um, carrot and cabbage and some other things. Weird me out a little bit, but not a lot. It was it was good. It was good. I will I will tell you that I have the I've seen on their social media they advertise a bunch of really wild, weird sausage stuff, and it changes like every few days, and it's interesting generally. And none of it I think bad. The couple times we went, we got one time it was like cheddar cheeseburgers or something. Oh, okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, sure. And, and then the other time was hot something. I don't remember. All right. And it was pretty hot. They were not. They, they When they said hot, around. they meant it. They yeah. weren't messing around. Yeah. Um, and how did you like the rest of it? So this was your first time, right? Yeah. So we had we had eaten from them when they did pop-ups several times before. We just hadn't gone down that way since they opened up their permanent location. Ah, Okay. So you kind of knew what you were getting into. Yeah. Yeah. We knew what to expect. Um, we knew, you know, we knew the quality of barbecue that they turn out. Uh, high, it was really high, good. High quality. It was really good. Um, I really liked, they do like smoky chipotle pinto beans. Uh, they do their slaw. At least the, the day we were there, they did their slaw with a uh, poblano crema. Um, what else did we get? Um, the, the jalapeno cornbread muffins are always really good. Yes. Uh, um, my wife and I love those, but maybe, maybe the best thing that we had on the day was they had a banana bread pudding. Whoa. Pudding. Yeah. It was like banana, banana pudding, bread. but instead of, instead pudding. of cookies, they had, well, in addition to the cookies, they had used banana bread. Okay. That sounds pretty good. It was, <laughs> It was better than that. So I will say, uh, we at at the brew pub in Oceanside, uh, a lot of similar stuff. It seems like their meat ven- menu sort of varies a little bit week to week. Where it's like, you know, they may talk, they may show on their social media, "Hey, come down, we have these big beef ribs," but like they might not that day, right? They might just be out, right? That's kind of how that stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did have the pastrami for, like, you could just buy, which was different. I don't recall the location up north having pastrami, like, just you can order, like, you know, half a pound of pastrami or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, a pastrami liker, <laughs> enjoyed this. Uh, I don't know that anyone else at the table with me was interested in the pastrami, but I got <laughs> some pastrami. <laughs> More for like, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the takeaway I came with from that place is that, yo, the meat is still good. It's the same stuff. It's enjoyable. If you like their barbecue sauce, they still got it. It's good. But maybe if you go to that place, plan to order like tacos or they have a pastrami sandwich, which I'm ruining that I did not get. 
you know, or plan to get something else. You know, not that the not that the plate of meat is not good. It is good, but it's the same thing you would get at the at the heritage place up north, but with maybe less selection, right? Okay. Like their sausage was Texas hot link. There yeah. was no options. So a little and, more, a little more generic. And I don't think huh. that they rotate it. Okay, so it's it's a pub. It's not it's not a you know. Place. Yeah, but it, it, in the compensation, right? They have a whole bunch of beers that they brew there. Most of I tried like three, all of which were pretty good. And they also serve cocktails, so you know you could have more drink selection. Mm-hmm. Although there is a little bar next door to the the Heritage uh, in San Juan, right? Do they allow you to bring Heritage over there? Because that seems like something it's, they should. They're do. they're connected. There, it's all one building. So the bar's on the end of the building, and you you just oh, okay. go to the end and order your drinks. Have you not been there either, Andy? No, I haven't been there. Man, you guys got to go. Although maybe you don't got to go because it will bankrupt you. <laughs> you know, it's difficult. It's just it's. I know that it's not far, but in this uh, era of living, um, fifty minutes round trip costs something. Not not mm, necessarily the gasoline. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, just time that could be going. 50, elsewhere. Fifty minutes costs something somewhere. Yeah, it is. If you're at friend of the pod Matt's place, you're ninety eight percent of the way there, right? Yeah, so uh, he he doesn't know it yet, but there's a uh, a soccer tournament coming up uh, in his neck of the woods, wherein I've already told the families we're getting a picnic lunch from Heritage. There you go. All right, that's the envy of the the entire field there. Uh, I've told them they're welcome to get their orders in in advance. Yeah. They do a pickup service there that's pretty good. Um, Excellent. So rec- recommend that uh, if that's what you're looking to do. Um, well, that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Michael. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it is uh, worth checking out for folks that are in Oceanside area. Absolutely. If it if it sways anybody's opinion who wasn't already sold, they they recently made the Bib Gourmand list. Oh yeah, when we were talking about five star uh, Michelin Michelin yeah, yeah. stars and all that. They're on the list. They're just not starred. Yeah. Their yeah. barbecue is really fantastic. And the sides are also amazing. So, oh, yeah. All oh, that mac and cheese is like. <laughs> All right. I can't just keep doing this, Andrew. <laughs> I can't yeah, keep you talking can. about food. It's... You, uh, then you have to end the pod, man, because otherwise we're going to go into more of it. So. Oh. Is there more food? <laughs> I don't know. I could make up something. We'll save, it for ne- we'll save it for next week. Yeah, we can save it for next week. All right. Uh, Michael, where do people got to go if they want to talk to us about uh, people, food or other things? Uh, people can shoot us an email at podcast at wewergamers.com. Uh, tell us what you've been eating this week. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, We Were Gamers. And uh, you should go check out our YouTube channel. You know, I forgot to mention something on the pod. Uh, uh, a PSA, an actual PSA on the pod was uh, it's gaming week on Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime. Hmm. So they're like giving Ooh. away some games and stuff on Twitch, but there's also like major discounts on like Switch games and PlayStation games and a ton of equipment and stuff like that. 
And I think that it has caused other companies to like push down their prices. So worth if yeah, just flip through, you know, like Steam looks like they're doing a little mini dump on games too. I don't know if that was caused by them, but it seems like a lot of them are sneaky on sale on Steam every dang day, man. I just that's true. Good point. Good point. Can't keep up with it anymore. Yeah. Well, the the baseball thing, we don't need to save it for next week, but the baseball thing was that uh, Shohei pitched a win and missed hitting a cycle in the same game 